thank you to Frederick, Dustin, Chris, and Tyler for making this Necron Codex review possible. When biotransference comes for you, we'll make sure you get the good war scythes. Hi everyone, welcome back for another Codex review uh, here with your Nemesaur Scott Trek. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Necron Codex today. I've been uh, pretty excited to talk about this book and I'm sure most of you are not uh, because you're probably annoyed with local Necron players <clears throat> and how they've been treating you lately with their stupid busted book. Um, it has been, uh, I guess, about two months now, coming up on two months uh, since the book dropped. Uh, so we have had it long enough that the most obviously busted stuff has had a nerf or two. Uh, however, I know the data slate just came out and it did not bring any changes for Necrons or uh, Admech, who launched at the same time. Uh, presumably GW feels like they still need more time to, I don't know, figure out what to do with those books. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Necrons have had a fairly good couple months uh, in the win rate column. Um, we have seen uh, a couple of different detachments have success as well, uh, which is a good thing, even as the win rates themselves are something that probably should come down. Um, unfortunately, Admech have been on the other side of that, uh, that uh, dichotomy. We will be covering the Admech book uh, pretty soon here, actually. I'll be having a seasoned 10th edition Admech player join me uh, so we can talk over them. But you'll have to wait probably until next month for the, that one. Uh, but today we are going to talk about the Necrons. As with our other Codex reviews, I will be basically just kind of covering the Necron detachments, uh, of which they have five. I want to talk a little bit about them, what makes them good, what makes them bad, what uh, maybe is some room uh, in the near future, or I guess probably about three months from now, uh, when the next data slate drops, that they might see some, some improvement or some, some uh, nerfing within those detachments, uh, what you should expect to see on the table, what some, some cool stuff that you might be able to play with on the table is, um, what I love, what I don't. And then uh, we'll uh, maybe just talk a little bit about uh, some, some of the combos that work best in this book. Now that we've had, uh, like I said, about two months that we've been able to kind of see them on the table and see how they play out. Um, I am going to be starting with some of the less heralded detachments. Um, and then we'll kind of work our way towards a couple of the more uh, useful ones towards the end here. Uh, like I said, thankfully the cool thing about Necrons is that there are multiple detachments that can have some success, and I actually, as I will get to, I think that there's definitely still some room for for uh, exploration in this book. Uh, the Necron book is not uh, as bonkers as, say, like Eldar at the start of 10th were, so I don't think that there is necessarily an unlimited amount of good builds in here that are just being obscured by uh, better builds. But I do think that especially as we go through the next couple months and Necrons inevitably do get some nerfs, which they undoubtedly deserve, 
there are some other kind of uh, tools in this book that players can lean into a little bit uh, and experiment with and, and you know play with to still find success in their games and still have fun in their games. Um, but right now, of course, we are in an unnerfed Necron uh, meta, so there are going to be a couple units that are going to stand out way more than others uh, in almost every every uh, build that you're going to see. But like I said, we're going to start with a couple of the, the weaker um, detachments, or at least win rate-wise weaker detachments. And we're going to talk a little bit about them because, for one, um, Necrons, the, the cool thing about their detachments is that they, they do genuinely, mostly uh, push you towards a, a different archetype than the other detachments. And that is an awesome thing because it means that you know you can actually have some some uh, variability in lists um, but even though these the two detachments that I'm gonna kind of reference here are not necessarily doing great right now and don't seem super competitively viable they could with like probably relatively minor changes become uh, something that actually has play or I should say at least one of them does the other one needs a little bit more work but um, We'll kind of see how it plays out, I guess, in the future. We're going to start uh, with the Annihilation Legion. That is the destroyer-specific detachment um, for the Necron book. The Annihilation Legion really, and this is going to be a, an ongoing theme with this book, with uh, the Necron book, it, its primary issue, I think, actually lands a little bit in, in uh, the keywords front. Namely, the Annihilation Legion obviously should focus on destroyer units uh, it also throws flayed ones in kind of with them but that's problematic because it doesn't give you enough units to play with when you're looking at the toys that you get from the enhancements and the stratagems uh, it actually doubles down even a little bit on this because despite the fact that uh, using the destroyer keyword plus flayed ones actually should give you about four units to work with the uh, scorpec destroyers ophidian destroyers uh, and then the locust and uh and uh, heavy locust destroyers uh, and then again also flayed ones pretty much everything in this detachment is is tilted towards the the melee side of things and that means that you have these units that are ostensibly quite good locust destroyers and their heavy destroyers uh, that don't really get as much out of this as they they probably could um, and that's kind of the spot that i would hope that if gw does look at making some adjustments to this this uh detachment in the near future that is where i would like them to lean because realistically like the benefits to melee units in this detachment are pretty good um the issue is kind of just that ophidian destroyers whilst a great tech piece are not necessarily a great melee unit anyway uh scorpex are but they have their own limitations namely i think they could probably do with a little bit of a point scut or some way you know maybe even within this detachment to speed them up a little bit and flayed ones, whilst they're great, are of course also quite fragile and you can't really build an army off of them. Um, so you're left with like the units that you're buffing not, not necessarily being the type of thing that you can really build something successful out of, uh, which could change very easily if you just were able to throw locust destroyers into that bunch uh, and heavy locust destroyers and be able to give them some meaningful uh, improvements as well. The uh, detachment rule for Annihilation Legion is that it gives your destroyer units the ability to reroll charges, uh, and also if the target of their charge is under half strength, they get plus one to their charge as well. That's genuinely a good buff uh, for melee units, 
but again, it only affects melee units, and that means that it's literally just going to be those those two uh, uh, melee destroyers and and flayed ones, who you just that can't really be your detachment's main main gimme. Um, you do get a couple of uh, really interesting uh, enhancements in this in this uh, detachment, including one which is. Uh, I don't know if it's unique in 40k right now, but it, it's got to be pretty close, and it is an outrageously good ability for melee units. Um, the the uh, enhancement's called Soulless Reaper. You put it on a destroyer cult model, so it'll be almost certainly a Scorpic Destroyer Lord. And what it does is it means that if uh, your opponent ever wants to fall back from the unit that has this enhancement, they have to roll a die, and they can only do it on uh, a 3-up, I think. Sorry, on a 3-up, they cannot fall back. Uh, you roll the die. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, that's incredibly powerful because of, of course, the ability that... It's mostly a defensive ability to keep your presumably Scorpic uh, destroyers locked up in a combat where they can then not get blown to hell by opportunistic opponent shooting. Um, this is a really, really strong ability. And it's a very good thing to have for something like Scorpic destroyers who actually do hit pretty hard... Uh, but are maybe a little vulnerable, especially once they're right in your opponent's face to getting blown up. Um, that is kind of probably the core combo that you will be leaning into if you're playing this uh, this specific uh, detachment. Um, unfortunately, it's, you know, again, that's not necessarily enough to build an army off of, but what army you do build with this, highly recommended. You also do have a, an, one of the less uh, restrictive enhancements or abilities within this legion or uh, this detachment is uh, ingrained superiority which can be put on any necron model and it just gives that necron model's unit um, plus one ap uh, on critical wound rolls um, obviously situational but the nice thing about this one is that it is for combat it is for shooting it can obviously go on any necrons model which means that you can get it into you know a variety of different squads um, and you know ap is Especially in Necrons, actually something that isn't necessarily super available. Um, and so that's that's a handy little buff to have. Um, there is several versions of Fight for, or a Fight on Death, I should say. Not Fights First. That would be great. But no no Fights First in this uh, detachment. But there are a couple of Fights on Death. There's both an Enhancement for Fight on Death uh, on a 4-up. And then also a Stratagem for Fight on Death on a 4-up. A 1-CP Stratagem. I don't know if anybody's kind of realized this trend in... Uh, in 10th edition, if when it comes to stratagems that have fight on death, it'll almost always be 1 CP to roll a die and on a 4-up you get to fight on death, or 2 CP to guarantee that you get to fight on death. This has the 1 CP version. Which one you prefer is up to you, but they're actually both pretty decent to have. Uh, as far as stratagems go, there is some kind of fun ones in here, but again, like there is this intense focus on melee, which doesn't really do the units that you want to take here justice because you end up having options for Scorpex or maybe flayed ones and nothing else and that's just not a great great road to success um, but your stratagems you know like I said there are a bunch there is a flat uh, and very easily accessible minus one to hit uh, which you can use on any destroyer or flayed, flayed one unit that's always a wonderful uh, defensive ability there is a situational but powerful buff uh, called Spore of Frailty that is also 1 CP. Uh, gives you plus 1 to hit a unit that is below its starting strength or plus 1 to hit and wound if they're below their half strength. 
Um, again, this is not an uncommon ability in 40k. It is good, but it's tricky because you almost never get the plus one to wound roll, and if you do, you probably have a unit already in a spot where you don't need the plus one to wound. It does give a pretty easy access to a plus one to hit, though, which is nice. Um, you have a uh, stratagem which will increase your pile in and consolidation range from three to six inches. Again, this is quite good. Uh, however, this particular one is not like, uh, I believe it's the World Eaters one and maybe the Tyranids one, uh, where, you know, if you can't make base with an enemy, you then can use the pile in and consolidate as a normal move. Uh, that is a very powerful ability. This is just good, but not bonkers to increase your pile in and consolidation range. Uh, there will be times where it's absolutely worth it, but it's not like, a, wow, that's that's the type of stratagem I want to I want to take this detachment for. Uh, and then you also have a uh, a stratagem for uh, dealing a few mortals to an enemy unit when they fall back from you. Um, again, this is actually quite good in an army that is melee focused because you. Keeping enemies locked in combat is almost certainly something you desperately want to do. So doing some mortal wounds to them or making them have to worry about having some mortal wounds done to them if they fall back is a nice deterrent to have. Uh, this one also does let you make a normal move after they have fallen back from you. That would be very, very good, except that it does can also have the rider that you have to end your move as close to the enemy unit that fell back from you as possible. If it was just a free normal move, this could be very good. It could be a very strong defensive ability um, for you to be able to kind of try to take your unit from, you know, a, a exposed position to a more protected one when somebody runs away. As it is, you may still be able to do that, but the fact that you have to end close to uh, the unit that fell back from you means that it's kind of they can drag you kind of in the direction that they want, and then it may actually end up working against you uh, if you wanted to use this stratagem. And finally, you have uh, uh, a reanimation stratagem, which are common in, in most of these detachments, to have some sort of way to get an extra reanimation. This is almost certainly the weakest one. Uh, you use it uh, after your destroyer unit or flayed one unit has destroyed an enemy unit, um, or caused that unit that was not below half strength to become below half strength. Um, those are fine enough, I guess, uh, to deal with as triggers, but the nature of the fact that you've now destroyed an enemy unit probably means that you don't need to reanimate as often. Uh, it also can only be used in the fight phase. Again, unnecessary uh, linking of things to melee where this detachment should probably be more of a combined arms thing. Um, yeah, you know, you compare that to like the Awakened Dynasties reanimate immediately after you've been targeted by some shooting or, or combat or even the Canopic Courts reanimating when you're charged. This is just not the best timing for reanimate necessarily, and, and it has more riders to it, more more uh, barriers to its usage than it probably needs to. Um, but it is a reanimate stratagem. It is one CP. I don't know. Uh, if it's <laughs> if it comes up for you, that's great, but it probably could be better. And that is something, like I said, that comes up a lot with this particular um, this particular detachment. So far, we have not seen GW do uh, extensive uh, rewrites or, or buffing to particular detachments in the Space Marine or Tyranid book. They more like to play around with points and stuff on units or maybe make a single minor change uh, to, to certain detachments. So I can't necessarily hope that this 
Legion will see its its detachment, you know, heavily rewritten. However, if you know, even if some of these abilities were changed so that they could be used in shooting and combat, uh, melee combat, or perhaps if they looked at towards you know some pretty notable cuts to things like Ophidians and and Scorpex, maybe that could that could make this kind of a viable thing. Um, as it is, like I said, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but it's kind of a weird mishmash of things um, to put together, uh, even as a melee-centric uh, detachment. You know, it, it misses a few of the key abilities that something you'd see in, like, World Eaters or, or CSM or Orcs and stuff. I don't know. Uh, it's unfortunate because it, it probably would be a very fun way to play, uh, and I think that if they can find a way to push... Um, Locust Destroyers and Heavy Locust Destroyers more into the detachment, you could genuinely see it get play because those are good units that are really just begging for a few buffs. Um, we'll see. One that's probably a little closer, um, almost tantalizingly close to uh, some strong playability is the, is the Obeisance Phalanx. Uh, another detachment that's not getting a ton of play right now. This one, more than even Annihilation Legion, has really just a a big big issue with keywords um its detachment ability is just it's functions similar to oath of moment in your command phase you pick an enemy unit uh, but instead of getting full rerolls to hit you just get plus one to wound plus one to wound is a blanket as a blanket ability is awesome it's a you know you get to pick one unit you're picking this every command phase that's great it's it's a very good ability the issue is that the keywords for this detachment both for this ability and for most of their other abilities leave you kind of wanting uh, specifically they they're uh, kind of the units that they're mostly buffing here are going to be lich guard triarch units which is going to be both praetorians and uh the uh the walker what's he called uh the triarch big scorpion guy uh, people are going to hate that i don't know the name of it but i've just never loved the model even as it was at times pretty good uh triarch stalker there you go it's a triarch stalker um, and then also anything with an overlord. Specifically, it uses the overlord keyword. And that, the reason for that being problematic is because the overlord keyword itself is literally only attached to the overlord uh, data sheets. Uh, even though many of the special characters and even some of the non-special characters are ostensibly also overlords. And this I am specifically referring to the Catacomb Command Barge, which is just supposed to be an overlord riding his little chariot. Um, does not have the overlord keyword, uh, nor do any of the special characters. Uh, it's also probably a decent argument that this detachment, which mostly focuses on like Necron royalty and their specific bodyguards like Lichguard and Praetorians, probably should mention the Silent King, who is also obviously not, doesn't have the, the overlord uh, keyword. I have seen some people mention that uh, the Overlord keyboard sh keyword should just be subbed for the Noble keyword. That would solve a lot of things. You would still have to carve out uh, a space for the Silent King in here because he also does not have the Noble keyword. Don't ask me why. But uh, the fact that you are limiting this plus one to wound, plus one to wound buff to only Lichguard, Triarch, and Overlord units really hurts this detachment. Um, and that's kind of... Like, I don't want to do those units too dirty because, like, they actually are all mostly decent units. Uh, Praetorians probably don't get the love they deserve. I think that there's definitely room for them to have a little bit more success. 
uh, in the near future. Uh, probably especially once we see a few Necron nerfs, I would not be shocked to see Praetorians start showing up more in Necron lists because they're quite decent. Lichguard, of course, took a ton of nerfs going from the Index to the Codex, but one thing that was different from the way that GW often op operates when they nerf the hell out of something is that Lichguard also got like a massive points cut. Uh, they went from 24 points a model down to 17. It's just like gigantic. Uh, almost a third of their cost came off. And at 17 points per model, I mean, they're functionally same cost as like an Intercessor. Uh, they actually are pretty good. Uh, and I've used some myself, uh, not with this particular uh, detachment, but Lishgard are actually decent for their cost. Um, Overlords, of course, are good. And one thing that can be taken from this, this ability and also these stratagems as we go through it, the overlords of the can of course join several different units who would then be overlord keyworded problem there is of course what can they join uh necron warriors who are in a struggling space right now especially offensively now you might think well plus one to wound would help maybe but they're short range strength four ap zero one damage weapons with not even good ballistic skill um so maybe not uh, and then Immortals, who are genuinely a great unit and would benefit a lot from this, and that's probably something you want to lean into uh, if you were to run this. Um, but overall, like, opening up this keywording to include a little bit more uh, would be nice, because there are several Necron special characters that would be pretty good, uh, not just for this ability, but for some of the other stuff that we'll talk about here. Um, there is also the use of the Catacomb Command Barge, which, like I said, is... is it's a unit that's pretty close to being good. Uh, I think it's got a lot of play that just isn't being realized right now because it just never quite fits. But with, you know, maybe a little boost from the detachment or two, suddenly it could be something you see on the table quite a bit with this detachment. Uh, the Silent King's kind of in the same boat. He probably could do with some points cuts, but his rules are genuinely good. Um, so if you have something that synergizes a little bit better, better with him, you could see maybe some play from him. Uh, and then, of course, like the, the difficulty with overlords, which are good, um, is that whilst you can use them to keyword, say, immortals, uh, so that they can benefit from all this stuff, overlords themselves aren't necessarily cheap. So, you know, your ability to do that two or three times in a given list might get a little bit more difficult. Um, but yeah, so with this one, really, just more than anything, we need to mess a little bit with the, the keywords, and then it could, could have some play. Why can it have some play? Well, because beyond the plus one to wound ability, which, like I said, uh, is a blanket thing. It's not tied to shooting or, or melee. It's both. Um, there is a lot of other cool stuff in this detachment. For our enhancements, we again get something which I'm actually sure is unique in uh, 40k right now and is a super cool, if not frustrating, uh, ability uh, from one of the enhancements, which allows it so that every time the uh, overlord who has this enhancement kills an enemy character your opponent actually loses one cp now that is actually a frustrating ability some people probably would consider it toxic for the game because it's it's like land destruction in magic it sucks but it is tactically a very interesting ability for especially an overlord who can get somewhere and maybe pick up you know a softer character or two again i cannot mention the word catacomb command barge enough 
then we get some other kind of nice little more minor buffs. Uh, there's an unflinching will. This gives uh, an overlord precision and also uh, anti-infantry 5+, which may sound like a weird ability to give, especially since overlords have pretty high strength values, so why do they need anti-infantry 5+, it's because they tend to have devastating wounds as well, so this helps them trigger their devastating wounds a little easier, which goes well with the precision ability. Uh, they have um, an ability, uh, an enhancement to uh, give minus one to hit in melee when their unit is targeted. It's fairly cheap, so it actually isn't bad. Uh, and then finally, they have a, a reroll hits ability when their unit targets, like when the Overlord's unit targets a uh, uh, an enemy unit. Sorry there, had to run off for a minor cat emergency. Anybody who's got cats will know. Uh, anyhow, an ability to uh, reroll hits when uh, the Overlord's unit is targeting an enemy unit that is on an objective. For stratagems, you've got a nice kind of mix of both offensive and defensive kind of stuff. Um, unfortunately, I would say that around one or two of them are kind of wasted on leadership shenanigans, which, as Chaos Knights and Tyranids to some extent have shown us, can be good, but you just need to have a lot of tools to mess with leadership and a lot of buffs, uh, and this army doesn't do it. <laughs> but it does get this one ability to, uh, or stratagem to, uh, when you kill uh, your opponent's warlord, you can subtract one from your opponent's leadership for their Battleshock test for the rest of the battle, which is great, I guess, if you want to lean into that. You don't get any other buffs towards Battleshock or anything else, though. Um, but they do have some good ones. Uh, they have a spectacular stratagem. Uh, one of the best in the entire book, actually. Um, one CP to just give any Necrons unit uh, non-Titanic, uh, which is very relevant, uh, five-plus critical hits. Um, there is a ton of units in Necrons who obviously love 5 plus crits. Um, this does specify non-Titanic because obviously one of those would be the Monolith who would just absolutely pop off with 5 plus criticals. Fortunately you can't target the Monolith with it, but you do still have like a huge plethora of units that would love this. For 1 CP, shooting or fight phase, amazing stratagem. Uh, then you also have uh, a minus one uh, damage ability or a stratagem that you can target any of your vehicles with when they're targeted by an enemy unit uh, Lasts for literally the entire shooting or fight phase whenever they're targeted could be very handy for keeping certain units around you have a uh, four plus uh, similar to the uh, Annihilation Legion you have a four plus fight on death ability only costs a single CP trick, trick with this one it is again keyworded quite quite uh, limitedly it's, it's targeted to just lich guard and, and triarch praetorians nonetheless they probably would appreciate uh fight on death so that is nice for them even if the stratagem probably could be opened up a little bit you have a 1cp precision ability which again can only be targeted to lich guard or triarch praetorians but again both of those units are actually probably very happy to receive precision for those times where you are looking to carve some enemy unit or characters out of their units and finally, you get uh, actually a very handy um, objective control bonus stratagem, where you can add one to the OC of a unit of Lich Guard or Praetorians. Um, you could also target uh, Triarch Stalker, in which case you actually get plus three OC. Um, this is a very handy, you use it in your command phase, this is a very handy ability for obviously being able to flip objectives. It's the type of thing that you're often looking for uh, in armies that are slow but durable which is exactly what this is. Um, like I said, the Obeisance Phalanx is a very interesting 
uh, army, which like a little bit of changes could actually make it quite viable. I know myself, I would love to play this army. I might start playing this army a little bit just to, just for the hell of it anyway. Uh, but it, with just you know some subtle changes to the way that a few units are costed or some of the uh, keywords in here are, are presented, it could genuinely be something that you see kind of played in a meta sort of way at events and things. So we can hope for the best. Uh, moving on, we do have three detachments in the Necron Codex that actually are doing quite well for themselves. Uh, we have the Canoptic Court, which I'm sure by now most people have even played against and probably hate already because race are buggers to get rid of. Uh, we have the Hypercrypt, which of course is getting a lot of love post-LVO after Matt Laura had his great run with that uh, and is genuinely also a very strong and, and tricksy kind of uh, army to play. Uh, and then we have the Awakened Dynasty, which um, Winraid actually hasn't had like a massive uh, renaissance since the arrival of the book. Um, but actually does have a lot of strengths to it uh, and can be specifically can be played uh, in very similar ways to the Canoptic Court and have some success. Uh, and that's what we will talk about uh, just in a little bit here once we've kind of covered the other ones. Uh, I am going to jump directly over to the Hypercrypt because it is kind of one of the lengthier detachments to look at just for all of the myriad ways that it can be it can be run with. Um, anybody who had the pleasure of playing against Grey Knights before the launch of the Necrons Codex already knows how powerful the detachment ability is. Uh, the ability to pick up uh, up to three units at the end of your opponent's uh, turn and put them into strategic reserve. And then of course the rest of the detachment also having some things that enable you to, to make even better use of those units that are in strategic reserve. Um, how you play with this army uh, I think actually has almost infinite uh, varieties to it. Um, Laura himself, Matt Laura at LVO, did lean into what I would consider probably one of the more aggressive means of playing this army. Uh, but the monolith is kind of an auto take but he, he played his monolith quite aggressively in a lot of games. He ran a bunch of immortals who are not really a unit that you try to camp around with. They, they play pretty offensively. A lot of people playing Hypercrypt are utilizing multiple Catan uh, who are obviously <laughs> big pressure units um, which get even nastier when they can be you know redeployed all over the table uh, overcoming one of their only weaknesses which is that they tend to move fairly slowly um, but there are lots of other units which I haven't seen pop up quite yet in a lot of like competitive hypercrypt uh, um, armies but that are probably very good for them um, Anything that has Deep Strike, obviously, is uh, one of the obvious options uh, because that just gives you the ability to kind of bounce around a lot there. Uh, one unit that kind of comes to mind, even though it's ostensibly something that you might want to see more in uh, <coughs> more in uh, Canoptic Court armies, is a couple of the Cryptex. Um, I will talk about this a little bit more uh, as we go along, but several of the Cryptex, namely the Plasmancer uh, and the Psychomancer, actually have in my mind, some play as a solo unit. Um, yes, they are fragile. There is no doubt about that. They're also quite cheap. We're talking like 55 points. Uh, and they have abilities which can be worth taking them just for their own sake. Uh, the Psychomancer, the ability to, for example, in a Hypercrypt, be able to drop him 
in your movement phase somewhere and then be able to use his ability to hopefully battle shock unit therefore therefore preventing them from uh, being able to use stratagems could be a pretty big flip against certain armies uh, i actually like the psychomancer even without the hypercrypt because i think if you plant him at the front of your deployment zone inside the corner of a, a building he probably can reach a couple objectives and then he can potentially be battle shocking enemy units the start of your command phase their boy flipping you some uh, primary points uh, but again that's more of a generic thing plasmancer is very similar um we've already seen a couple armies run um gray knight librarians or typhus uh certain kind of mortal wound dealing characters solo uh, obviously a plasmancer is way more fragile than they are and he doesn't necessarily put out as many mortals either however he again he's a lot cheaper uh, 55 points four dice each four ups immortal this can actually be useful just for trying to pick up, you know, little things or soften up little things on the board. Uh, I actually think he might work best in Hypercrypt where he can be deployed, you know, somewhere way at the back if need be. And then can use those mortals on a, a soft target somewhere, not to mention the fact that he also has a pretty good gun, uh, which can then add some supplementary damage. Uh, he's got a tiny base, uh, so you can actually fit these guys in all sorts of places. Um, so that's kind of a thought pattern there. Uh, anyhow, we're going to go over the enhancements and the stratagems just so that you guys can start be thinking, thinking about your own things you might do with this. Uh, the enhancements are, none of them are necessarily come across as super, super sexy, but they, they all have, uh, pretty obvious, uh, applications within this army. There is one to give any, you can give to any Necron model, just gives the bear's unit deep strike. That is basically an auto take, obviously, to just be able to give a unit that doesn't have deep strike, deep strike, which meshes well with the hyperphasing uh, detachment rule. You have a risen tyrant, which allows a unit that has come in from reserve to reroll some hit rolls. Uh, I believe it's. Oh, sorry, they always reroll hit rolls of one. They came in from reserve, it's all hit rolls. Again, full rerolls to hit is bonkers good, especially in Necrons where there's lots of units with lethal or sustained hits who love that ability. Uh, you do have uh, the Dimensional Overseer, which I actually have seen used more than I thought it would. It allows you to uh, basically turn your three units a turn that you can pick up into four. Uh, four feels like almost overkill in a lot of the games I've played, but at the same time, there are definitely people who are finding use for it. And again, maybe if you're actually going for an MSU style with more units to bounce around with, it can be very strong. It's also very cheap. Uh, and finally, you do have a an ability to always have your unit or a, a enhancement to make it so the bearer and his unit always advance six inches again quite handy not terribly expensive uh, definitely something that might find a place within the list for stratagems uh the, the kind of the joke of the stratagems section in the hypercrypt is that basically four of them only apply to the monolith which is a lot of stratagems for one unit uh Technically speaking, only two of them actually keyword to the monolith. Uh, it's just the two more that it's pretty obvious that's what the target is. Uh, for those stratagems referring to the monolith, we do have hyperphasic recall, which allows the monolith to, uh, it's, this is one of the two CP ones, monolith to pick up a unit after that unit has been attacked, uh, shot, I think it's shot or fought. Yeah, shot or fought. Can pick up that unit and teleport it to the monolith uh, they have to be deployed within six inches this is a very good ability uh, obviously for just getting a unit out of a problematic spot and into hopefully a good one especially if you're making good use of your monolith 
I feel like the thing about this particular stratagem, and I've seen some other people mention it, it would have been really cool if this unit also reanimated when they did that. It would have been a neat way to kind of pull pull that uh, old monolith ability to uh, reanimate models back into the game. As it is, it's still a good ability. At 2 CP, you really do have to have a plan for it, though. Uh, that is kind of true of any army that's going to be playing with this kind of hyper-phasing type rule where you're bouncing up and down. It's a very cerebral army to play, so presumably you will have a plan, but definitely not something you just use for the sake of it. You also have another 2 CP stratagem, which specifically only affects the monolith, and that allows a unit that has been deployed out of the monolith's uh, uh, Eternity Gate ability to charge. Uh, normally they're not allowed to, uh, because functionally the unit that comes out of the monolith doesn't have to obey a lot of the rules that normally come up with units that just randomly show up on the table like having to stay outside nine inches um, they can be deployed closer now one of the rules then about the monolith's eternity gate ability is that they are not allowed to charge this stratagem means that they can so you can get a unit teleported in and making a very short charge into an enemy which is awesome that said this is 2 cp for a good reason <laughs> um, it does obviously then very much limit uh, the use of that ability. Nonetheless, it is good. Uh, something to also note, the Monolith's Eternity Gate ability itself specifies that units that it teleport have to be Necron Infantry, so you cannot use this kind of ability to, you know, teleport a Nightbringer into somebody's face. Uh, but it can be used for Lich Guard, uh, Praetorians, uh, Scorpec Destroyers, obviously. Uh, there, you know, there's a couple of units that you could have some, some fun with this with. Two other uh, uh, stratagems, which again don't specifically mention the monolith, but are available here, are Quantum Deflection, uh, which targets any Necron vehicle. It's 1 CP and it just gives that vehicle a 4 plus invulnerable for the phase uh, after it's been targeted by an enemy, shooting or fighting. Um, most Necron vehicles have a 4 plus invul. The monolith is one of the few that doesn't. Uh, that is why this is mostly a monolith specific stratagem. Uh, off the top of my head, I actually am struggling to think of another Necron vehicle that doesn't have a 4 plus invul. Maybe the Triarch Stalker. We already have established that I don't really know much about that particular model because I hate it. Uh, but like Doomsday Arcs, Doomsday Stalkers, uh, Annihilation Barges, Katangum Command Barges obviously uh, all have 4 plus invuls. I guess a Ghost Arc it would be another choice. Ghost Arcs don't have an invul so that could be an option there, or do they? They might have an invul. I haven't played with the Ghost Arc terribly often this particular edition. That's something that we can look up. But anyway, 4 plus invul is pretty handy. The other stratagem uh, that comes up, uh, which is quite good, um, or hypothetically could be quite good, uh, is the ability to uh, spring hazardous on an enemy unit after they target one of your vehicles. I believe that this does have to target a titanic unit. Yeah, one titanic model from your army that was selected as the target of one or more attacking units, or one more one or more of the attacking units attacks and is within 18 inches. Um, this ability costs one CB uh, and it makes all of the tar or, uh, all of the attacking units guns um, hazardous. When this first got mentioned, I know there was quite a few people who immediately got sprung and were like, "Wow, there's." going to be some units that can really suffer from this the practical difficulty is that there's very few units very few of those units that could be hurt badly by this are the type of units that are going to be going out of their way to shoot at a titanic model um, yes terminators could have a really bad time if they're all shooting four shots into a monolith 
uh, and that monolith, you know, suddenly makes all of their attacks hazardous, and oh my god, but like, are they going to do that? Probably not. They weren't going to hurt the monolith anyway. Uh, and one of the only units that comes off as like something that throws a lot of dice that actually are scary to a monolith already has hazardous, and that is, of course, crisis teams who are probably running triple cyclics. So this ability could be kind of cool. You can always keep your mind open uh, if your opponent just decides to YOLO a ton of, ton of enemies uh, attacks into, say, a monolith. It can be also targeting something like a Tesseract Vault if you're running something like that. Um, but in practice, <laughs> it's probably not going to have a lot of uh, play just because you're not going to get an enemy making a really dangerous play like that. Uh, I have double-checked the Ghost Arc does have a 4-plus invul, so it is not a target for Quantum Deflection Stratagem to get a 4-plus invul, or it wouldn't be one. Uh, like I said, it's mostly for the Monolith. You could use it on the Flyers. They don't have a 4-plus invul, so if you've got a Doom, Doomsday uh, <coughs> Doomsday Flyer that you really want to, you know, put a 4-plus invul on. Hilariously, I'm pretty sure you could also put it on a unit of Canoptic Spiders, who I believe are vehicles. Um... And that would actually not be a bad spot. Uh, I don't know how many Canoptic Spiders you want to run in a Hypercrypt, but it is a target. Anyhow, uh, you have the reanimate the the two more uh, stratagems in this uh, detachment, which are not locked to monoliths or vehicles even. One of them is reanimation crypts. That just allows units that have gone into strategic reserve to reanimate as normal. Uh, because obviously if you're in strategic reserve, you aren't deployed until the movement phase. Reanimation happens in the command phase. This ability is just there to kind of allow you to reanimate at all if that becomes relevant. It is one CP to affect all uh, of your units in reanimate or in uh, strategic reserve, so it occasionally will be useful. Um, and then, really, the the stratagem that pulls it all together, cosmic precision. This is just a generic uh, stratagem that allows a unit that is either deep striking or hyperphasing, and therefore probably coming in off the side of the board as strategic reserve, uh, to be deployed within three inches of an enemy unit, not nine. Uh, it does come with a standard caveat that you can't charge, but obviously this is incredibly important for an army that's putting units up and down every turn to be able to maybe put one or two of those units in spots that you would not normally expect over the course of a game. Uh, again, most famously, this has recently been used by Matt Laura in the LVO Finals to put his, uh, his monolith right in the middle of his opponent's deployment zone on the first turn. Uh, you may not always get that chance. When you do, maybe you take it. Uh, but there's plenty of uses, uh, obviously, for a three-inch deep strike stratagem. It's, it's just a wildly good stratagem no matter what. Uh, and again, it's only one CP. Uh, again, this army literally can can be good with like probably more units in this codex than any other uh, detachment. It is probably the most flexible detachment as far as your your unit selection goes, um, because so much of its stuff is not specifically keyworded to to you know certain types of units. Obviously, again, there is a bit of the meme about how most of its stratagems are keyworded to the monolith, or obviously best with the monolith. thing about it is the monolith is very central to how this army wants to play anyway. Uh, so running a monolith, or who knows, maybe even more than one monolith, is something that you're kind of going to be doing if you're taking a hypergrift anyway. After that, uh, you can really take units to your heart's content. There's so many good units that are good combos of units that you can put in here. 
Obviously, things like Immortals uh, definitely come up. Units that have some native deep strike, like maybe uh, Death Marks or Flayed Ones, haven't been played a ton, but actually I think could be quite good. I've even thought a little bit about maybe this is the Rise of the Death Mark kind of... Um, kind of army the return of the hex mark maybe uh could could probably see some play in the hyper crypt as time goes on uh, and we see some changes to the necron book um but anyhow it is a very fun army i would highly suggest that anybody who is getting into a hyper crypt style necron army is prepared to play 10 plus games with it before you really uh make any calls about it because it's the type of army that genuinely will test your thinking, test your strategic uh, knowledge, uh, and your opponents too, for that matter. It can be really great in that way, but it also means that sometimes you will have mistakes happen that make somebody, either you or your opponent, go, damn, I really did mess that up, didn't I? Uh, which, you know, is part of the fun of the game. But in any case, Hypercrypt has been doing quite well in the meta. I don't expect that to change anytime soon. And I do think that it is one of the more flexible detachments you can take, so maybe have some fun with it. Um, moving on, we'll jump into Canoptic Court. Canoptic Court, I assume, is the one that most people are going to understand the most, uh, because it is probably the most, well, it's easily the most played uh, Necron detachment so far. It's also, I think, still has the highest win rate, uh, although it's it's not necessarily uh, way ahead of Hypercrypt. Um, the Canoptic Court is definitely not quite as cerebral of an army. In fact, I've, I've referred to it as an Ungabunga army before. It is very much a, a, a push it stuff into your opponent's face and make them deal with it kind of army. With that said, in its current form, it is very successful at doing that. Uh, the Detachment Rule, the Power Matrix, functions again very similar to uh, the Chaos Daemon's Shadow of Chaos Rule, where you're just trying to hold objectives within, you know, uh, No Man's Land or your opponent's deployment zone. Uh, your own deployment zone is always considered to be part of your power matrix. Being in your power matrix uh, enables both full rerolls to hit for Canoptic and Cryptic units, but it also is uh, relevant for some of their other abilities that pop up in the detachment. Um, the army is relatively heavy on OC. Uh, Wraiths are 2 OC, Immortals who are very commonly used are 2 OC, uh, Tomb Blades are 2 OC, and a lot of the kind of other mid-range stuff has decent OC. Uh, Doomstalkers are funny, they're 4 OC, despite a lot of similar vehicles usually being 3. Um, and all of that extra OC that this army holds is very relevant to how it works with the power matrix, because you do need to be holding, in most games, two-thirds of No Man's Land to actually be getting much of your power matrix. Uh, a couple of your units, like Doomstalkers, probably hang out in your deployment zone to get their power matrix anyway. But a lot of your other units will be pushing forward and do need to be holding uh, onto those central objectives to be to make the power matrix really worth it. Um, as far as the enhancements goes, uh, we've got a couple of kind of auto takes almost. Uh, there is one, the Dimensional Sanctum, which gives a cryptic and the squatty joins infiltrate. This, of course, gets attached to race pretty much all the time. Having an infiltrating squad as durable as race are is a wicked good boon uh, for any army. Uh, and then also the Auto Divinator, which uh, is an ability very much like um, Kodiaz, I believe, is the Inquisitor, where if your opponent gains a CP through an ability, you roll a die. On a 2-up, you get a CP as well. This army is pretty CP-hungry. Um, the Auto Divinator is a good way to get those CPs in certain matchups, uh, like if you're playing against uh, Eldar or uh, Dark Angels or Guard or someone who is genuinely going to be 
popping up an extra CP all the time. Orcs. Orcs are another pretty good one. But obviously there are lots of matchups where your opponent's not generating extra CP and then it doesn't really help you out. Um, to that extent, uh, Emotech the Stormlord is, is not just in Canoptic Court, but in actually quite a few Necron armies, pretty common, uh, because he generates a CP in each of your command phases. He's definitely an option to look into. Um, there are two other enhancements in here which are less heralded for the Canoptic Court. The Metalodermal Tesla Weave, which potentially causes some uh, mortal wounds to enemies that charge the bearer's unit. And the Hyperphasic Fulcrum, which gives reroll ones to wound to the bearer and their unit as long as they are within their power field, which is actually a pretty good ability, um, but it does really tie into, again, you have to be able to hold power field probably in the middle of the board uh, if you want to get use out of it. As far as stratagems go, we'll run through these real quick because I'm sure most of you have been subjected to them already. Uh, the, probably the biggest one, which is went from very much hero to zero is Sinister of Eradication, which is the devastating wound stratagem, could be used in both shooting and uh, melee, allows the unit that is targeted by it to just gain devastating wounds for their attacks for that phase. It is 2 CP. Uh, it was obviously very, very strong uh, in immortal units with a boatload of attacks and a uh, uh, overlord who could make the stratagem free. This was a very strong combination, but it is now gone as the <laughs> the stratagem was reworded to specify that only cryptic and canoptic models, not units, uh, can benefit from it. As it is, like you're never gonna pay two CP to get devastating wounds on any cryptic or canoptic models. Um, I'm not gonna. I shouldn't say never. Like it could happen, but it's it's just it's too much. Uh, Race are probably the best target for that ability at this point. You'd have to be pretty desperate. It would have to be a very specific situation. Most of the time, you're not going to use that, which is too bad. But they do have lots of other good stratagems. Of course, the two big ones, which can only target canoptic units, not cryptics, only canoptic units, but nonetheless are great, are the uh, counter temporal shift, which turns the cryptic or a canoptic unit that you target into a lone op. Uh, for the remainder of a phase, very strong, and also the reactive subroutines, which allows a uh, canoptic unit to make a normal move, uh, yeah, normal move up to six inches after an enemy enemy unit ends a normal advance or fallback move within nine inches of that canoptic unit. Uh, that kind of re redeploy movement uh, is used extensively in a few other armies in the game. Uh, of course, most notably Eldar with Phantasm, uh, who don't actually have that many riders on usage of Phantasm, but certainly also Vanguard Space Marines and Vanguard Nids. Uh, no, not Vanguard Nids. One of the other Nid detachments has has a similar ability. Um, very strong, obviously. Uh, again, both of these are most often going to be used on race, maybe lone opping some Doomstalkers to keep them safe within your uh, deployment zone. Uh, but they're both very powerful. This detachment's reanimation stratagem uh, is just a free, or uh, not a free, uh, a reanimation when you are targeted by a charge, uh, costs one CP. Again, not as good as, say, like the Awakened Dynasties, but this is probably one of the better reanimation stratagems. There is quite a few times where you are being charged and you would like a reanimate. Uh, so this is a good spot for it. And then finally, you got two kind of, um, funkier stratagems you got the solar pulse for one cp this just strips cover from every enemy unit on a given objective uh, that is within 18 inches of a cryptic the ability to strip cover is very strong 
this particular army doesn't necessarily benefit from it as much as some do but uh, there are some worlds where like especially if you are using a lot of immortals uh, maybe you're comboing off uh, with uh, Illuminor Caesaris to buff your immortals that then the ability to strip cover off of you know some medium to high armor save units could really be quite good uh, and finally you have curse of the cryptic which is a one cp ability that when a cryptic is destroyed you can then get a, a game long plus one to hit and wound versus the unit which destroyed the cryptic <laughs> this is extremely powerful because plus one to hit and plus one to do bonkers uh obviously that on race is great the plus one to hit is spectacular on the doomstalkers plus one to wound maybe not as much but uh giving all your canoptic units plus one to hit and wound is a really nice buff um Obviously, it is tied tied to a cryptic of yours dying, but there is a lot of situations where this is worth spending for. Uh, you look at Leagues of Votan; the army basically functions because of plus one to hit and wound tokens. This is this is a judgment token, multiple judgment tokens actually. Uh, and the reality is that your opponent is going to be going out of their way to get rid of your cryptics. So here you go. In fact, it may even be a good reason to run a few solo cryptics that are even easier to kill. Just saying um that's your your whole suite of stratagems uh like i kind of mentioned a little bit in some of the other earlier um detachments i think that there are, is definitely room for running solo cryptex uh specifically psychomancers and plasmancers in some armies uh certainly technomancers make a you know their their core to this particular army to use them with uh, race uh, you are probably going to be using Plasmancers with some some uh, Immortals as well in this army. Doomstalkers are spectacular. Uh, I have had my eye uh, a little bit on Canoptic Spiders in this army. Uh, specifically, their shooting actually becomes reasonable with uh, the, the buffs that you can get here. Uh, I think Spiders are still in a spot where they're a little bit too expensive to be running, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a place um, they also could be you know nice for some support for a couple of your units depending on what your matchups are uh, certainly some of the forge world models have been getting some play here as well uh, canoptic acanthrites um, are mediocre for what they actually accomplish but again they are fairly fast uh, they have some deployment abilities i believe specifically i can't remember if they're scouts or infiltrators but they're one of the two uh, this is a canoptic unit that can actually get a little bit of work done. They do have melted guns. Rerolls to hit on melted guns is pretty good. Um, so like they have some play as well as one of the big centipede monsters. I want to say it is the stalker. I think might be this. No, it's probably the sentinel. The tomb sentinel, I believe, is the stronger one uh, with this particular setup. Either way, also very good units to run with this kind of stuff. The canoptic court definitely does push you towards the canoptic units and the uh, cryptex very very strongly uh, you will not get a lot of love out of units that cannot benefit from one of those keywords uh, just because of how this is this particular detachment is laid out but unlike the annihilation legion that we talked about earlier the buffs we get here are relevant enough and uh, widely spaced enough to benefit both some melee and some uh, shooting units that that the army is quite potent uh, and of course the the strength like just the base strength of the wraith data sheet really helps make this army tick um, i would also argue the base strength of the immortal data sheet helps a lot uh, but immortals are good in like basically every detachment so uh, anyhow you'll have lots and lots of canopic courts to deal with for the next three months i'm sure um, 
as with always, one thing I will <laughs> throw out there for everybody who is struggling with Canoptic Courts is anything you can do to kill the Technomancers is worth it. I am not just saying that so that your opponent can then get plus one to hit and wound you uh, with that stratagem, which I think is very strong. It is a reality that the army very much lives and dies by its by its uh, Technomancers and its Plasmancers and whatnot. Uh, so getting rid of them is great. Precision's awesome. A lot of them are not that hard to kill, so if you can focus on that, it'll go a long way uh, towards evening things up. The other thing, of course, with Power Matrix, and this is true also of Daemons, with the Shadow of Chaos is, if you can just keep them from getting their Power Matrix active within No Man's Land, you will already be well on your way to success, because removing full rerolls to hit is a massive nerf to the whole army. Uh, so, if you kind of are thinking about that as you're going into those Canoptic Court games, hopefully you'll have a little bit more success. Finally, before we finish off for today, I do want to talk a bit about the Awakened Dynasty. The Awakened Dynasty has been very interesting to me uh, in the last few weeks because I was looking at it as a bit of an alternative uh, to the Canoptic Court when the Canoptic Court ostensibly uh, and inevitably gets uh, nerfed. I think that Awakened Dynasty still has a lot of play. It is still one of the um, detachments, much like Hypercrypt, that can run a whole lot of different units successfully. Uh, it's probably, I hate to say it, the best attachment to still run destroyers in, uh, which is sad because there's a destroyer attachment, um, but whatever. Uh, but I also think that there are Canoptic Court armies or very similar armies that are very similar to a Canoptic Court army that can have a lot of success in Awakened Dynasty as well with some changes. Um, to cover it off as a review pretty quickly here, because Awakened Dynasty has been around since the start of 10th, uh, its primary uh, attachment, detachment benefit is just any unit that has a character attached gets plus one to hit. Uh, its primary enhancements that you're going to be looking at are the Veil of Darkness, which allows a unit to make a once per game uh, basically redeploy. Uh, you pick the unit up at the end of your or end of your opponent's turn, plop it back down with Deep Strike at the uh, end of your next movement phase. Uh, the Nether Realm Casket, which just basically gives a unit stealth, uh, one like the attached unit stealth, uh, and then a four plus feel no pain for one character uh, that you can hand out for fairly cheap. It does have one more um, enhancement, the Phasal Subjugator. This used to be quite a bit stronger. Uh, right now it's decent. Uh, it basically makes it so that any if you give it to a character and then any Necron unit within six inches of that character gets a plus one to hit. Um, that is on its own a very strong buff the reason why it's not that great here is because the army ability is plus one to hit and you cannot stack those plus one to hits so you oftentimes will not necessarily be getting a lot of uh, use out of that second plus one to hit um, this used to make the units in the uh, or account as having a character attached to it, which is relevant to a lot of the stratagems i'm about to go through it no longer does that which is unfortunate uh, the stratagems are quite good as well um, there's not a whole lot of duds in here. Um, there is a protocol of the Eternal Revenant. Uh, this is the stand your character backup stratagem. This is bonkers good. It is one CP. It just automatically stands a character back up with half their HP. You can only use it on each character once per battle, but it is a spectacular ability uh, to have in your back pocket, especially uh, for, for example, some of those cryptex that i'm telling you to run solo which maybe can then be a little bit more durable because it actually takes two activations to kill them not one it's also basically an auto take if you're running a luminor cesaris who is 
an absolute monster to kill in the first place, and then they stand right back up with half their wounds. Very handy. Uh, not to mention numerous other possible uh, uses. Uh, Protocol of the Undying Legions. Again, 1 CP. Uh, this is the best reanimation stratagem in the whole book. Uh, you just use it after your an opponent is done attacking you, either in the shooting or, or uh, melee phase. Um, and it also gives you D3 plus 1, basically an extra plus 1 wound. Uh, if a character is attached to the unit that you use it on, uh, so two very strong defensive stratagems right off the hop. You then get some pretty good offensive stratagems. You have Protocol of the Hungry Void, which is a melee-focused stratagem, which gives a unit plus one strength and also plus one AP if they have a character attached for a fight phase. You have the Protocol of the Conquering Tyrant, which is a shooting stratagem. Uh, gives you reroll ones to hit while shooting. Um, reroll all hits while shooting if a character is attached. This does only work when you're targeting a unit within half of your unit's range, so it is not necessarily like a blanket easy access reroll all hits, but it definitely has play because reroll all hits is really good, uh, so you're hopefully planning to use that. Uh, Protocol of the Sudden Storm, which is a very, very nice uh, ability to help you with scoring some things. It gives the unit that you target uh, assault on all of their weapons, uh, which is Obviously relevant for offensive purposes as well, but like also helps you score a lot of secondaries in the game. Uh, it also lets you reroll the unit's advance roll if a character is attached to them. Uh, and then finally, um, probably the one bad strat that is in here uh, <laughs> is 2CP for the Protocol of the Vengeful Stars. This is one of those shoot-back stratagems, but it is much worse than pretty much all the other ones. Uh, this one, you target a Necron character with it, uh, when, a, when a Necron unit within six inches of that character dies, and then that character can shoot back at the unit that killed your Necron unit. Um, problem here is, like, there, there's numerous problems. One, this is 2CP, which is bonkers. Uh, two, very few Necron characters have good shooting. Um, certainly not shooting that you would pay 2CP for uh, to shoot back at an enemy unit. Um, furthermore, as with many of the shooting uh, or shoot back stratagems, you can only target the unit uh, that did shoot and kill your Necron unit. Um, you don't want to be losing Necron units in the first place, but whatever. That has happened. So you need to have a Necron character with good shooting that's actually good into the target that you have to attack, and then you have to spend 2 CP. Not a good stratagem. But the other five are pretty good. My theory crafting on this in regards to its usage with Canoptic Court-style armies in specific is that uh, you trade out a couple of kind of tricks and a couple of uh, defensive abilities for other tricks and defensive abilities here, but you also get an opportunity to run a little bit um, wider of a variety of units with Awakened Dynasty as compared to Canoptic Court. So, for example, in an Awakened Dynasty, you could still run 12-plus race, and they're still actually quite good, um, because they're going to have their Technomancers giving them plus one to hit, which means that they actually are hitting on a comparable rate, actually better than rerolling ones to hit. Not as good as rerolling all hits, but still decently. Furthermore, those Technomancers are harder to get rid of, because you have the ability to stand characters back up, uh, so race will be able to keep their Technomancers around for a lot longer. Uh, they also have a better reanimation stratagem for those race. Uh, so your race are, are loving it. Uh, furthermore, Protocol of the Hungry Void that gives plus one strength and AP is actually very good on race. One of race's primary weaknesses is a lack of AP. 
So being able to get them to strength 7 and AP 2 actually starts to make them a little bit better in combat, uh, something that actually can get some work done. Uh, so race just love these abilities. Uh, your immortals will still be able to presumably have a good time. They don't get quite as easy access to reroll hits as the power matrix would give, but they can get them off the protocol of the conquering tyrant. Uh, the Veil of Darkness works very well with both race and immortals. Um, whoever you might want to staple it to, it's just a wicked good ability no matter what. Uh, and then, of course, you might see a lot, you might see like Doomstalkers fall to kind of the way to, to the wayside because they don't necessarily jive with Awakened Dynasty so much. But you do have units like Locust Destroyers, Locust Heavy Destroyers, Doomsday Arcs, a variety of wicked good shooting units that don't necessarily have a place in Canoptic Court because Doomstalkers are better there. But these other units can have buffs from Awakened Dynasty. Um, so, I don't know. It's something I've been playing around a little bit with. I don't know that it's necessarily better. You do, of course, lose the lone op stratagem. You also lose the reactive move stratagem that you can use on your race. Both of those are not small losses. They are genuine things that you probably will at some point wish you had. But there are also times where you wish you could stand your Technomancer back up. So the Awakened Dynasty definitely has some play there. Uh, the Awakened Dynasty also almost certainly has play outside of like a Canoptic Court-style army. It's not being experimented with a lot right now. Part of that just comes, and I think we'll see this with lots of codexes, where this is the old uh, strata or the old detachment. As long as there are other kind of cooler, shinier, newer things to play with, people will play with those. But I do think that kind of with like with the Gladius in the Space Marine book and the Invasion Fleet in the Tyranid book, we will see over the next month or two a little bit of a drawback uh, to the Awakened Dynasty. Uh, as people start to realize that maybe there is still quite a bit of play in this particular detachment. Uh, so keep your eyes out for it. Uh, and again, especially if we do get some more nerfs to Necrons in the next little while. Because I don't think that the, they'll be targeting this particular detachment terribly much. They'll be targeting the Canoptic Cord and they'll be targeting the Hypercrypt Legion. So... That is your five Necron detachments uh, and kind of where they are and what you can expect from them, uh, what we have seen from them for the last uh, two months or so, and what hopefully we will see more of over the next couple months. Uh, again, it's it's actually like one of probably the better books in the sense that like there are four detachments that are right there in the usability kind of spot. Uh, the Obeisance Phalanx is maybe not there, but like I really do feel like it's pretty close. I would love to see a few little changes to it, um, and it would it would very much be something that could be on a lot of tables. Uh, but both uh, Hypercrypt and Canoptic are, are having lots of success, and they are very different armies, so that's great for the playability of the book. Uh, and then the Awakened Dynasty also is there, and like I said, I think it will it will become more uh, more popular over the next month or so. Uh, hashtag Pray for Annihilation Legion, I guess. We'll see how that shakes out. As it is right now, though, Necrons are are obviously a meta army to play. Uh, there's a lot of folks, especially in light of the changes on the data slate, who feel like they are probably the meta army to play uh, and to watch out for if you are not playing them. Again, uh, that'll how how exactly you counter them is going to depend a little bit on what the opponent is playing. Canoptic Court is is very much a different beast than Hypercrypt. Um, like with Canoptic Court winning mostly resolves around, revolves around what you can do to limit the race uh, whether that doesn't doesn't necessarily mean getting rid of them which is very hard to do but 
you know, being able to pull objectives back from them, being able to stop them up and hold them up in places where they're not going to cause you as much trouble as they'd like. With the Hypercrypt, it's a completely different kind of game. You really just have to have excellent target priority and be constantly aware of which units are actually going to be the most dangerous to you. The Monolith is an obvious pick. Uh, they're not simple to get rid of, um, but they are one that you can obviously focus on pretty comfortably. But after that, like the units that are going to matter in the game aren't always obvious. Uh, mortals are easy to spot and say, oh, well, those have lots of OC and are more offensive than most Necron units, but sometimes they aren't the thing you got to worry about when you're playing Hypercrypt. Uh, it's really, you just have to be very, very focused on your movement, uh, blocking things out, and making sure that you are keeping yourself from uh, getting flanked uh, in ways that you don't expect, uh, which is not easy to do. That's, again, part of why uh, Grey Knights actually have had quite a bit of play in, in a meta, despite having a lot of uh, data sheets that could use some love. Uh, it's because of the strength of their detachment that is similar to Hypercrypt. So, I don't know. We'll see how that kind of shakes out over the next few months. I would expect they'll get some nerfs on Hypercrypt as well. Uh, in the meantime, hopefully I have inspired you to play some other stuff as well, not just Ganoptic Court and Hypercrypt. Or if you are to maybe experiment with some new things. Let's see six spiders in uh, Canoptic Court. Let's see somebody busting out you know, a bunch of destroyers or something like that in Hypercrypt. Uh, let's see some people playing some Awakened Dynasty again, maybe with some re reinvigorated units. Um, let's see a lot of people writing constant emails to GW to make some small changes to the Obeisance Phalanx so that I can play with a Silent King model. Uh, all of those things would be great. So in any case, thank you for swinging by for our Necrons Codex review. Uh, we do, Trident does have a few events coming up over the next few months. I'm not sure how much we're allowed to talk about some of the stuff we've got for later in the summer just yet, but uh, if you are interested, I know we will be hosting both Adepticant uh, in March. Uh, it's just a one-day one day little RTT. I do believe it is already full, but of course contact us if you want to go onto the, the waitlist for that. Uh, and then in uh, April we will be doing both a, another Age of Sigmar RTT uh, and I think we might be eyeballing something else for the end of April, but we haven't really decided yet. Then in May, we have our Teams Tournament. As of the time that this video goes live, that is not yet full, but it's getting pretty close. There's lots of room on Teams, but there's only room for eight teams. So take a look uh, at that if you're interested. If you see that there's already eight teams there, maybe get in contact with one of the captains and say, hey, do you got a spot on your team still? There are four people per team. Uh, that's going to be an absolute blast of a two-day event, uh, May 25th and 26th, uh, that you guys can come hang out with us. So hopefully we'll see you there over the next couple months, uh, maybe with Necrons. Uh, and we will be back for the uh, Codex Adeptus Mechanicus uh, Codex review pretty soon here, again with a special guest. I am very excited to go over them, even as I am not at all excited about what GW keeps doing to my fucking Skitari. Uh, anyhow. Thanks for coming and hang out with me, and we will see you guys next time. Did you plug the Patreon? We need to plug the Patreon.